For Mervis Diamond Importers, I'm Ronnie Mervis. I was raised near the diamond mines in South Africa, and like every Mervis, diamonds are in my DNA. The history of diamonds in Africa and of the Mervis family run together. As kids, my brothers Kenny, Zed, and I rode our bikes on the mine dumps. At night, we'd listen to my father talk about the diamond mines. Today, Mervis still operates in Africa. This gives Mervis Diamonds the advantage. We import the finest diamonds, cutting out the middleman, so you save. Mervis Diamonds are amongst the best in the world. And now they're available for less than you think. Mervis Diamond Importers. It's like going to the mines yourself without getting dirty. Mervis Diamond Importers. Mervis means more diamonds, much better quality, and the most value. Mervis is the ringleader for the latest engagement rings and wedding bands. Easy financing is available. For an appointment, go to MervisDiamond.com or call 800-HER-LOVE. That's MervisDiamond.com or 800-HER-LOVE. Hello, 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 everyone. Welcome to Body of Christ Real Talk. Welcome to the show. Good morning, good mid-morning, good afternoon, good mid-afternoon. And to my all-night listeners, welcome to Real Talk, Body of Christ Real Talk. Man, I'm sitting up here watching one of my classics. Now, what I, one of my classics, old classic, I don't even know the name of it. Let me check this out. It's called The Unseen Noir Murder Drama, starring Joel McRae. Good actor, Gail Russell, and Herbert Marshall. This guy, Herbert Marshall, is amazing because every time I look at him in one of my classics, he always seems like he's blind or have bad eyesight or something. You know, Herbert Marshall. Look up Herbert Marshall. I know you're not, but, you know, I'm just trying to start a conversation here. Body of t- Christ, real talk. I was going to say body of talk, real Christ. <laughs> it's still pretty good. Body of Christ, real talk. This is your host, Joseph Browley. I, let, let me get into some things. Let me talk about some things first. I want to apologize to you, uh, uh, to you all, all my listeners. The last show that I done abruptly, I had to shut it off. I didn't have to shut it off, but I pushed the wrong button and it has stopped because I got distracted and I pushed the wrong button and then cut it off shortly. You, you guys that listen to my, uh, my podcast called, uh, Let Us Talk. Uh, you will notice that it, it shut off all of a sudden abruptly without any warnings and everything like that. So it just shut off and I could not finish it. I was almost to the end anyway, but I just want to apologize to you guys uh, what happened and everything. I pushed the wrong button. I was going to go somewhere and I happened to push the wrong button, just knocked everything out of whack. So it was cut off while uh, I was talking about uh, the maladaptive of daydreaming and the different technology and things and stuff like that. So what I'm going to do, I'm just going to piggyback on it and talk a little bit more because this is just talk. I didn't plan this. This is just talk and conversation and stuff like that that I do sometimes when I don't have a certain uh, subject or topic that I'm pinpointing to talk about. So that's what happened. I'm going to continue. So. The last show you uh, you heard, this is just a continuation because it abruptly shut off. You notice it got quiet and everything and abruptly shut off. So this is just a continuation from the last show. And I remember since it went too long ago, a few hours ago, where I stopped. Uh, where I stopped it and everything like that. So, uh, hello. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for uh, downloading and listening to my show. Okay. All right.
even though I haven't shouted out to everybody as of yet. All right. But I also want to uh, remind you guys that I finally finished uh, Spiritual Obesity, a very awesome uh, my take on the struggle and the tragedy that's in the denominational church. And I call I named this series Spiritual Obesity. That means, you know, it's just a metaphor or allegorical way that I'm using like the physical diet. I talked about the high protein, low carb diet, and I just use an allegory in a spiritual way for the church of the struggle of all the the, the spiritual bad junk and bad teaching and, and bad doctrine and dogma that's in the church today that's been in church for hundreds and hundreds and maybe even thousands of years that's been uh, in our denominational churches, the church buildings I'm talking about. So uh, that's what I'm, I finished this series. I think it was about 18 altogether, 18 uh, shows altogether. What a what approximately 20, close to 25 hours worth of uh, what they call it, of uh, audio, 25 hours. Hours, you tell I'm not a radio person and a tech person, man, because I can't even get the words out, man. I mean, you tell I'm still just green in this, man. 25 hours of content, Ugh, bleh, finally, 25 hours of content in that 18 series video, spiritual obesity. If you want to get into that, just let me know. I'm, I'm going to start shooting that out. If uh, one by one is uh, interested, which, like I've been doing, I've been shooting it out one by one, but you can get it in a package by just going, uh, starting from where it started at all the way to the top. And if you want it like that, I will send that. I, I will just, I will just send it, let you know which uh, uh, numbers to go to so you can get the whole package and everything, man. I know I do things sloppy and backwards and everything because I'm still new at this and uh, I don't have the best setup and I'm not a techie like a lot of professional podcasters and stuff like that. I'm just Joe. I just do my shoes just like I'm in a, in a church or in a building or like I'm talking to you. So the technical part has always been number two or number three, you know, in my, uh, in my learning. So basically, I... I will have somebody else set that up and I just do the talking. I don't mind doing the talking, but when it comes to tech stuff, man, I don't know what I'm doing. I got to call them and let me know, how do I do this? How do I do this still today? Because I just catch it on slow when it comes to technology and stuff like that. But if you want that, I will give you the whole series, Spiritual Obesity. You know, God ain't using me to do the tech stuff, but he's using me to do the talking. <laughs> Good or bad, he's using me to do the talking. Now, when I uh, abruptly cut myself off and cut you guys off, uh, I was talking about the technology of today. If you remember, I, I left off talking about the technology of the day. Basically, I was talking about uh, MDD, maladaptive daydreaming. What I started off, I started off because I'm I'm going to do a, I'm 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 setting up a ex a, a book that I'm writing uh, a ebook. It will be my first ever book. I never thought I'd be writing a book, but uh, you know, since I've been doing podcasts, I mean, since that man that uh that uh that pandemic, it was a it was a disgrace. It wasn't called for, and that locked in and all the masking and stuff, you know, 
the cons, you know, it was bad. It wasn't called for people got sick. We lost a lot of people and stuff like that, you know, in uh, one way or the other. But the pros of it is that I learned so much about radio, podcast, some techno technology, even though I got a long way to go on that. And it made me think more how to get God's word and get the ministry out. So that's the pros of it and anything. It was very stressful and depressing. But by the grace of God, his, which is sufficient for us believers, he got me through it and everything, but also gave me the mind to advance and find other ways to uh, get his word out and also lift others out there struggling in different areas by using different topics, talking about different topics and different subjects like that. So that's the good thing. And I'll take that good. I'll take the uh, benefits over the cost anytime when it comes to the things of God. Now, when I let when I got when I cut myself up the last time, I was talking about technology. And uh, and I was getting into uh, artificial intelligence. That I was that wasn't a subject I wanted to talk about, but it it was it was it was kind of bouncing off about me doing uh, using artificial intelligence and stuff like that to help me uh, in my grammar and my writing and different things for my book, my ebook. And then I got into have people, believers and unbelievers, uh, would think. Uh, AI is of the devil You know I probably was saying the devil last time But many people think AI is of the devil And I disagree And I told you why I disagree Because technology Most technology Especially back in the 80s And stuff like that When, when technology came out It was used Financially of course But it was used for a betterment So each time and each Uh which you would say century or whatever like that or each decade or whatever you want to call it when technology advanced it was I believe it was used for the good to advance our knowledge and our learning because without technology a lot of us would not we not we would not be able to advance in our learning and our skills and let me say it again without technology a lot of us would not be able to advance in life just imagine if it wasn't technology never grew and technology was never advancing. You didn't. No matter the negative of these platforms, let's talk about Facebook. Let's talk about uh, Microsoft. Let's talk about Twitter. Let's talk about different YouTube. Wow, YouTube. If it was no YouTube, as it was no, it was not no Facebook. If it was not no Twitter, and you know we just depended on regular what we used to call the World Wide Web and stuff like that, you know. You know, a lot of us are being dire straits. Our knowledge will be limited. See? So without the technology, that helped our knowledge to advance. Now, I'm not saying all of it was good, but we did advance in knowledge. And that's a good thing to me. That's a, that's a beautiful thing to me. The problem is when the enemy gets a hold to it or he use others to get a hold to it to destroy it or corrupt it see it's always because the, the technology is not bad unless it's planned to be bad but if it's not bad you know uh nothing wrong with that it's just when the enemy gets his hand to it now some things was planned for bad now you, you talk about the atom bomb and stuff like that when i went to go see that movie Oppenheimer and everything like that you know he might have good intentions but the ones that wanted the bomb did not. 
So he was kind of naive in that area, Oppenheimer, according to his real story. But the ones that wanted the bombs, you had a, you had a, a war uh, from the nations that wanted their bomb. Germany, uh, United States, United States always got their hand in it, but you always think they just not, they the good guys, but the United States is one of the biggest hands that be in this type of mess. Then you had Great Britain, the big powers then. I think the United States became the superpower in 1922. They was birthed out of England. They became a superpower in 1922. So you had all these powers trying to get a hold to that bomb, you know, and that they wanted it for one reason. They wanted for tyrancy. They wanted to be the superpower. They wanted to have control, even the United States. See. They were so itching to get it. That's why I, one of the reasons I believe they, they when they got it, or I don't know if there was antibodies, but the uh, antibody, that bond that was dropped on Hiroshima and Japan, it seemed like the United States probably was itching to use it. I know Pearl Harbor was a bad thing, but Japan made a mistake when they done it. They, they, they bombed Hawaii, Pearl Harbor in Hawaii. But when that bomb was dropped, I think they was like itching to do that. But anyway, let me digress. Those things was used for evil. If you want to make a nuclear bomb, you cannot be, you cannot say, well, I just want to use it for good. And no way one nation should have that power without the other nations wanting it too. See, so it becomes a power thing, it becomes tyrancy. Well, anyway, technology. Back to my ebook. I know I went around about way, but back to my ebook. I use ChatGPT. I use ChatGPT, which is an incredible tool. ChatGPT. And a lot of people, like I was saying, you know, uh, they they may have a lot, may, uh, even some of the creators think it's dangerous, and I do too. I, I think it can be dangerous, and I think it will be used, especially later on down the line, because the, the, the intelligence is scary. No doubt about that. The intelligence is scary scary but so was back then in the computer uh, even back then in the computer even Pac-Man and Mario was amazing to us back then so at, at the more technology advanced and we haven't seen nothing yet we haven't seen anything yet because artificial intelligence and robots would just get more advanced advanced and advanced. They would never have a soul and a spirit unless it's possessed. But I'm just saying advance, advance, advance. The technology will advance. And that's scary. And that's scary. I don't think they would never have enough uh, intellect or develop intellect or nothing to just uh, have common sense or certain discernment that humans had. A robot could never be more advanced than humans that God created. They can never possess a soul. They can never possess intellect or mind and thing like that. You know, you can hide from robots. You can trick a robot. You can do all kinds of things. They can detect you being around them, but they don't have that instinct or that natural discernment like a God, like God gave humans. That's my point. Now, the tribulation period. That's a different uh, monster right there because you're going to have a lot of de demonic activities and stuff like that. But let me digress again. The reason I'm going this way is because I know people look at it only in that way. How evil AI is. They call it AI evil already. 
And it is it is true you have some AIs and, and there's a lot of them now. Chat GBTs out there. A lot of them. Good and bad. What do I mean by good and bad? I mean good and bad. It depends who's the operator and who's doing it. Because whether you like it or not, AI cannot operate like it operate unless it was operated by man. Man always operated these type of things, you know. So it depends who hands it's in. So for the time being, just like any other technology back in the past, as far as the 80s and stuff like that, when uh, technology and, you know, electronics and stuff and intelligence start advancing, you know, look how fast Sirius and then Alexa and stuff like that start shooting out, you know. Now it's on your phone now. You don't need to buy a system for Alexa. You got it on your phone. You got these talking cars. You thought you'd never see that since the night rider would kick. You have talking cars. Now you got cars you can drive and park themselves. You got cars that can start up by themselves. Technology, the Bible talks about knowledge will advance, but that does not mean we should let the evil only control it. No. I don't think God meant that the evil only controls the technology. Because you got good people and you got believers that has a lot of skills and technologies that create things. So it's not the the uh, the uh, the technology and stuff like that. It's who's behind it and what are you creating it for? I hope uh, people understand what I'm saying. OK. All right. Now, I use ChatGP, I have used uh, AI, and I don't know the difference between one, I guess some of them are more advanced or whatever, but I'm using certain tools to help me out with my book. And I think that's good for me because of my slow catching on and my impatience of writing and my misspelling and my grammar. Because I don't I didn't get I didn't stay in school to learn a lot of that. So it helps me when I'm writing. I can I can do a story. I know about my MDD. I can talk about certain things, but I cannot write it out as well. Now I can write. Don't get me wrong, and I can spell, don't get me wrong. But, I'm, you know, you get to that point that you misspell and you don't know how to structure a sentence. You don't know when the period go here, the question mark, you know, uh, and all those things, parentheses and stuff like that. I learned those things later. So, Grammarly AI can help me with my structure in that. Not to write my story, but just just put it in a structure, in a format with the right wording, the way the way it's supposed to be. But it's still my story. And thousands of people are doing that now. Now, that's the good thing. The pros, the cons of that is people will lose jobs. They probably are now. And that's the sad thing about it. Now, uh, unfortunately, we cannot do nothing about that. That's just an investment of technology. People will lose jobs. Because I said this before. Why would you pay somebody $100,000 a year where ChatGBT can do it about two, three, five, or ten minutes that you do within a month? And you got to get paid. Why you can get this artificial intelligence just as intelligent uh, and, and to get it done, but at the same time, they still don't have the uh, the put it. Let me put it this way: When you, I'm writing an ebook, and I'm using ChatGPT and other writing formats to help me out in my ebook, whatever you tell. ChatGPT. Now, what I noticed AI will not do, it will not give you instructions on how to build a bomb or nothing like that. Because I, 
I will ask a certain questions and they AI will not go there. He even told you they don't do they feel it's dangerous, they will not do blah 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 stuff like that. So certain chat they will not do that, you know. But they just like uh your servant. They uh if he they, they don't talk back and no matter how many times you ask them to do something, no matter I mean Chat GBT would do it. And it's incredible because let me give you uh wow man, let me give you an example. In writing my ebook, I was doing certain paragraphs because I'm doing a 15 chapter QA of myself of maladaptive day a daydream, MDD. And I have chapter put it in the structure, even though I wrote it. The first thing that um I have learned and what I what about writing an ebook, the first thing you want to do if you use an AI or Google Docs or whatever, you want your message and your book to sound like you. You want it to be you. You don't want it to be uh, uh, plagiarism. Plagiarism means it, uh, it might sound like AI wrote it. It might sound like somebody else. It might not be. It might even sound like your plagiarism. Mean is almost copied from somebody else. The same format. You don't want to cause plagiarism and lawsuits and stuff like that. So what you want to do when you're writing a book, whether it's ebook or a regular book, you want to make sure that you structure it in a way. Now you might use certain concepts and certain paragraphs out of other books. There's nothing wrong with that. And some authors don't care about that. Just don't just don't use it. Take their stuff and steal it and put it in your book. That's all I'm saying. Unless they give you uh the copyright or the uh the legal rights to do that. See? You just cannot do that because it can cause lawsuits and all kind of other mess up there. So if you, there, in other words, there's there's many books on autism, many books on how to make money. You know, you got you know you got how to uh, read the Bible, study the Bible. There's many thousands and thousands and thousands of books out there. You know that you can learn from them and look at their structure and everything without stealing their stuff. But you can use their ideas and certain quotes. But you got the structure in your way. You understand? I'm saying it's just like you at Bible study. You you might say something your pastor, your minister say, but you're going to structure it in your way. You know stuff like that. The problem is is when you just take their stuff and then you make it seem like that you the one made it up. Like a lot of politicians, uh, what's his name, Joe Biden, <laughs> done in this life. But anyway, you you don't want to do that. So when I do my my book, my ebook, I want it to be the ling in a vernacular, to be as close as the way I talk as I can, without the misspelling, without the broken English and stuff like that. You understand what I'm saying? So that's the beauty of that way that you can use AI. So when I told AI, okay, this, you know, sometimes I talk to him like he a person, I got to catch myself. And, uh, but that's just the way I talk, polite, you know, but I, this is a, a artificial intelligence. So I have them a structure. Just say, okay, AI. For Mervis Diamond Importers, I'm Ronnie Mervis. I was raised near the diamond mines in South Africa, and like every Mervis, diamonds are in my DNA. The history of diamonds in Africa and of the Mervis family run together. As kids, my brothers Kenny, Zed, and I rode our bikes on the mine dumps. At night, we'd listen to my father talk about the diamond mines. 
Today, Mervis still operates in Africa. This gives Mervis Diamonds the advantage. We import the finest diamonds, cutting out the middleman, so you save. Mervis Diamonds are amongst the best in the world, and now they're available for less than you think. Mervis Diamond Importers. It's like going to the mines yourself without getting dirty. Mervis Diamond Importers. Mervis means more diamonds, much better quality, and the most value. Mervis is the ringleader for the latest engagement rings and wedding bands. Easy financing is available. For an appointment, go to MervisDiamond.com or call 800-HER-LOVE. That's MervisDiamond.com or 800-HER-LOVE. We started our company, Girls Who Do Interiors, before we even graduated design school. And we turned to Chase for Business to build along with us. They had everything from banking to payment acceptance to credit cards all in one place. And with the Chase mobile app, our business is wherever we are. It's made for business owners who build to inspire. Learn more at chaseforbusiness.com. Make more of what's yours. Real customers compensated. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase Bank and a member of DIC. I want to say it this way, but in a, I'm going to use this for uh, an example, a slang, a hood way. You know, I can do that. Not man, it blew my mind. AI made a beautiful, but you know, sentence. I said AI make it more like uh, a ethnic uh, African American or Black American, and uh, you know, somewhat some Ebonics and stuff like that. Could you? But and great and close, good English. I put all that on there. I'm more of a hood, a more. Uh, friendlier words because I don't use a lot of those big words and that's what I was putting down there I don't use those type of words I don't use uh, uh, came- you know something like chameleon and a lot of big long words I don't talk like that see so I want AI make it more plain for the lay person that's in the hood or something that's just uh, talks plainly and very uh, you know not weld uh, not well, uh, well spelt or well, you know, person that talks very well. I see I, I mess up on it now, but you know what? AI knew exactly what I meant and even told me what I meant. I thought, oh, it kind of wow, this is just too kind of creepy here, but anyway, then it spit it out. I've done this more than one time. And then I edited everything that I didn't didn't like, that didn't sound like me. That's the beautiful thing. You can edit it. Okay, let me take this out, take this out, or tell AI, change this for that. Change this word vivid for this. Change it for that as long as it still doesn't break the context and it makes sense in a sentence. You know, because one word can change your whole sentence. And the one word, because you've got different meanings in the way you use words, one wrong wording even though you might have thought it was the same, could change the whole structure of a sentence meaning. That's what I mean. But just make it more hip the way I talk. Not saying I'm cool, I'm hip, but I, I grew up in a uh, in a black neighborhood and I have a certain lingo and certain, certain ebonics the way I talk. I want my book something like that, but in a well-spelt English ebonic slang way. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? So it can sound as close to me as I can. AI done that. It's my story. It's my words just put in the way, uh, better way and a better grammar and better sentence and better structure. That's it. So that's how, that's what makes it good of doing ebooks. But that's the pros. Uh, AI can do fictions. It can do all this stuff. You make up a story. AI can just break it down exactly what you want it, and you the one do the editing. 
you do the editing where you want it to sound because AI do mess up. Artificial intelligence do make errors and mess up and everything like that. And a lot of times they have to do because the way you ask the question. So you got to be very precise or you have to ask more than one time in a different way. Just like if you ask AI to write uh, an article or essay, just say, could you write me an essay on uh, Albert Einstein? It just shoot it up. And you might say, okay, yeah, that's good, but could you put more detail with it? AI will put more detail. And you say, no, could you put more and more detail? The more you keep asking AI, it's going to make it more detail, which is incredible. Now, I'm going to tell you, I've never seen nothing like that. I've never seen nothing like that. Google cannot even move like that. Now, Google got an AI called Bard, see, and stuff like that. But the thing about it, I know it can be scary for a lot of people. It, it's eerie to me. But another con with it is people are using AI and they're making a lot of money because a lot of stuff that they're doing and it's people catching on now, but they can't do nothing about it. A lot of because they can't prove that AI done it, so they can't prove it. But, you know, writing ads and writing presentations and stuff like that. Some people have AI to do it all for them. I won't do that. No, I don't want that. I might use a certain structure, like write an ad for me and something like that. But if it's right or close to the thing that I'm selling, then I'm going to go for it. But I see any kind of add on or, you know, you can make a thousand dollars a day. No, they got to go. No, because that's not that's anecdotal. That's not true. Not saying that you can't, but I'm not, I don't want to go there. I need you to correct that and I just take that out. You can edit it all yourself. The AI will do that for and make it more realistic. That's my point. A lot of people don't know how to use AI and they just have, they just take every word that AI say and everything and then it becomes like a plagiarism or it becomes not like film. And many people catch on because it might be something else out there that's using the same type of wording. You have to edit and structure the way you think and the way you lingo. That's why they got certain uh, expressions on there. How do you want this? You want want this expression? You want a sad expression? You want an awareness expression? It's so much stuff out there, man, that you can use and everything like that. So it is a lot of pros and cons with AI. I believe right myself it's more pros than cons for now. And it can help a lot of people. The cons is people will lose a lot of jobs and a lot of big companies will know, will find out that they will not need human bodies. And it's going towards their way. That's the con. That's what's going on now. A lot of people will intelligent people that's, you know, that went through colleges and everything is now in a battle with AI and robots and artificial intelligence now. They gotta compete against AI. And that's the that's the what that's the what's that's what we living in right now, okay? They gotta compete against AI. And most of the time they don't have a chance. Not in knowledge and you know history and stuff like that because AI can you know they got the type of ability that they hit every they hit they hit the whole world wide web and you a human cannot keep up there we only use about what 10% of our brain 
So there's no way we can keep up with stuff like this. So a lot of times a human person, uh, body-wise, now some companies are going to need your body that period because something AI can't do, you know. Like secretaries, they will never get rid of secretary because they need somebody to do certain things or make errands and stuff like that or whatever for now. But the way they're getting robots now, that's not going to be long. Whew, it's not. But yeah, so but for now, go with the flow. Just go with the flow and, and use this system for the glory of God if you are a Christian. Use this symptom honestly. Keep AI honest. Now I'm saying that on purpose. Keep AI honest. Because you could tell AI to write a story. All it's going to do is write it. AI is not going to question you if it's honest or not. As long as you're not saying make me a bomb, they're not going to do that. But as long as you, if you say AI do this, I live this way. I make $10,000 a, uh, a month or $10,000 a week and blah, blah, blah. I got this mansion. I started this way. You start lying and making up stuff. Put it in AI. AI put it in the right phrase. See, all that is a lie. And I know some people are doing that now. They're getting fancy uh, graphics and videos and stuff like that. And it's just a lie. But it looked good. Okay. That's, it's not AI's fault. It's man's fault. Okay. It's not the artificial intelligence. It's just doing, just like you use a computer. You write curse words on the computer. Computer ain't going to take it out. You shoot out a bad email, the email go shoot whatever's on that email go get gonna, gonna get there unless it has some type of blockage or something like that. You know? It's gonna get there. Regardless. You you type up a porn site on a, a computer unless it got some type of virus blocker in it, that computer gonna go right to that site until it damages your computer. But if it got some type of uh firewall or blocker or virus, not virus protector. You know, then it'll block some of that. But just having a computer, that's why they offer that stuff. But my point is, that's what I'm, uh, people, just use it wisely. It's okay. Don't be scared of it. Do not be scared of it. It can help you. Just don't let it take over your life. Don't just let it do everything for you. Don't just let it answer everything for you. Just use it as a cyclopedia. That's it. It will work very well. Okay? All right. Now, before... I'm, uh, I'm going to be doing a lot of talking on maladaptive daydreaming and uh, because that's a subject that needs to be touched on, uh, maladaptive daydreaming. Uh, maladaptive daydreaming is just excessive daydreaming. And I struggled for that for over 50 years. And I think it's about, it, 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 it was about my life. I lost about 16 now, these are my numbers. 60% of my life struggling with MDD. And I'm in these groups now. And Lord knows I don't know of so many people that struggle with the same uh, struggle that I, the same issue that I struggle with, you know, because mine was since the early, you know, the mid 60s and stuff like that, that I struggle with it, that I can remember, you know, that I can remember. And there's many people that struggled, you know, probably uh, as long as me or whatever, but nobody had a name for it. So it's nothing new, you know, and many people had it for years. But a lot of young people struggle with uh, MDD as well as autism, ADHD, uh, OCD and all those type of other acronyms and stuff like that. Those names I struggle with the spectrum of several of them. 
But I'm not going to get into that again because I, I made a, a, a done a podcast of that already. So I don't want to babysit there because I don't want nobody feeling sorry for me. I'm not, not asking nobody to do that because it's also a strength that I use now, not only for myself, but I use it to help others. So I I'm not looking for nobody to feel sorry for me. No, 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 no. I became stronger because I know what it is now. And I also know that I don't need it now. For Mervis Diamond Importers, I'm Ronnie Mervis. I was raised near the diamond mines in South Africa, and like every Mervis, diamonds are in my DNA. The history of diamonds in Africa and of the Mervis family run together. As kids, my brothers Kenny, Zed, and I rode our bikes on the mine dumps. At night, we'd listen to my father talk about the diamond mines. Today, Mervis still operates in Africa. This gives Mervis Diamonds the advantage. We import the finest diamonds, cutting out the middleman, so you save. Mervis Diamonds are amongst the best in the world. And now they're available for less than you think. Mervis Diamond Importers. It's like going to the mines yourself without getting dirty. Mervis Diamond Importers. Mervis means more diamonds, much better quality, and the most value. Mervis is the ringleader for the latest engagement rings and wedding bands. Easy financing is available. For an appointment, go to MervisDiamond.com or call 800-HER-LOVE. That's MervisDiamond.com or 800-HER-LOVE. We started our company, Girls Who Do Interiors, before we even graduated design school. And we turned to Chase for Business to build along with us. They had everything from banking to payment acceptance to credit cards all in one place. And with the Chase mobile app, our business is wherever we are. It's made for business owners who build to inspire. Learn more at chaseforbusiness.com. Make more of what's yours. Real customers compensated. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase Bank and a member of FDIC. You know... And I, I always didn't want it. I always wanted to get rid of it. I just didn't know how, because I thought it was just part of my life. I, I never thought it was normal. See, you have some MDDs thought it was normal. I never thought it was normal. Not even a little bit. I never thought it was normal. If it was so normal, I wouldn't have got laughed at so much. If it was so normal, I wouldn't try to stop it every time I hear somebody coming. So I knew how you gonna tear, how you gonna uh, turn abnormal into normal. I never thought it was normal, you know. Others did that uh, struggle with MDD, but I never thought it was normal. But uh, it's just different people, how they feel. You got a lot of uh, MDDs that I, you know, uh, uh, I go on the Facebook or whatever like that. You have some uh, that somewhat almost covered it. In other words, they like it. They, they use it as creatives and stuff like that. That's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that, using that as creative or whatever like that. The only issue that I have with that, and I will even tell them that, you know, the only issue that I have with that is still you don't know the source. You don't know that source. You don't want to covet nothing like that. You don't even know the source of it. And anything that keeps you, that affects your normal life, your school, your work, even some marriages, even some friendships and stuff like that is abnormal. Even though it might feel good, it's affecting something in your life. And most MDDers, even a psychologist like Ellie Summers and everything, they don't have the concrete uh, answer to why. So they can go as far as trauma or something, trauma, stuff like that. And a lot of that is true. Happened in people's life. It might even happen in that. I don't know. So I don't concentrate on the why no more, though. You know, but 
through my study of MDD, and I have learned a lot now, through my study of MDD and what I have learned and stuff like that is maybe a book that I'm going to read too, but I haven't finished that book and I'm going to tell you why. And I think this person was a Christian or a, a claimed Christian. But the reason, what I have noticed when I listen to uh, different observations on what MDD probably started, I don't hear nothing about maybe a spiritual aspect of it or maybe it can be demonic. Now, some people might go as far as fathers, far, as far as thinking it's a gift from God. I had a pastor years ago when I lived in a, San Diego and he, when I told him about it because I became more open with him when I became a Christian I wasn't ashamed no more and the Holy Spirit brought that out in me and I thank God for that I was more bold and it, it was one of my testimonies and I told my pastor about it when I was struggling and everything like that in my marriage and uh, my pastor also said maybe it was a gift from God that I didn't know how to control and had to learn how to troll or whatever like that and stuff like that. You know, I listened to him and said, yeah, maybe so. But deep inside of me, I just said, no, I don't think it's that. I don't really think it's a gift of God. It could be, but I don't think it's a gift of God. And I don't really think that now because at that time, I was all into the spiritual gifts and uh, the moves of the spirit, that faith, you know, word of faith movement. And that's why I just kind of babysitting and said, maybe that can be true. But as I understood and matured, about that, those gifts and those, uh, you know, kind of gifts that God was giving. He's not giving today. That kind of say, no, it ain't that. So fast forward today when I hear a lot of uh, people's observation, because you can't self-observe yourself. There's nothing wrong with that. You don't have to be a psychologist to do that. Uh, the self-observer said, because you are the best ones that can explain your dreams, even though it might not make sense to nobody else that don't have it. You can explain it, even though it don't make sense. Even when I do my movies, I tell my movies, it's probably worst movies that I can ever make when I was doing my MDD. If a professional writer or a producer that was making the movie and I wrote a script and, th and gave it to him, he'd laugh at it and throw its head up and throw it away because it wouldn't make no sense. Even when I done my dreams, it did not make no sense, but it was comfortable to me. And I knew it didn't make no sense. I knew it wouldn't be a structure. It's nothing I can write on a book or a paper. I'm talking about me. I ain't talking about other MDDers, but I'm just talking about me. See, it was always that gray area that my uh, my daydreaming, excessive daydreaming, didn't make no sense. Okay, it did not make no sense. You know, but it was enjoyable because I change characters. I do all kind of things. It was, it was just like a weird dream, man. Most, you know, making those movies that I created. That's why I got so excited and got my stemming in my fingers because it, it took all that to get into it, you know? So that's why if I got distracted, I can lose it. I have to start over. I got to really be really into it to keep it going. Now, this in the past. Now, I don't do that now. But I really have to be into it. But if I get distracted and somebody walk in as far as being embarrassed first and then coming back to my senses because it took a time, it, I wasn't out of my body. It was just, you know, your mind was used so much, I believe, that, you know, you let you kind of be ugh, drugged up and said, oh, I need to come back to reality. Even though I was conscious, my, I had to come back to reality if somebody walked into me. And I, next thing I know, it's, I didn't lose three, five, six, or even eight hours of time. Didn't even know it. I lost that much time. Didn't take a shower. Didn't do nothing. 
I'm sweating, it's hot, and I'm just lost in the world. I don't know what's going on outside. Next thing you know, it's dark. Everybody out there doing kids stuff, and I'm on the inside. That's not normal. So I knew that wasn't normal. So by me being stuck in that so long, it made me more of an introvert and more closed in because I wasn't used to being around people. They was different to me. See, learning how to swim, going out there and playing sports, I could not do that. I couldn't get into that. I was so closed in. That's the bad part about covering MDD. That's why I, I, got, I have a warning and I'm against the people that want to just cover it because you don't know what the source, you don't really know where it's coming from. And more and more I look at it, I know it's, it's a lot of it is spiritual and demonic. See? Spiritual and demonic. I know there's chemical imbalances and genetics and stuff like that, but it's amazing how most people never touch on the spirit of the spirit realm or something demonic about it, you know, because demons still do oppress. There's still demons around. Go to some of these other countries. It's still a lot of demonic oppression and the uh, obsession, you know, that can be that can take over people. See, the Bible talks about that being led in the flesh, being different things like that. The enemy, those spirits ain't gone nowhere. They still can manifest themselves around people. Just like you do seances, Ouija boards, you know, witchcraft, that stuff is real. See, that stuff is real. They called it up. Any, if you believe in it enough and conjure it, that stuff will conjure itself in your head. See, so I believe, and I'm not a doctor, I believe if you covered it too much, you're going to get something that you don't want. See, that's that's my uh, advice for a lot of MDDers that's out there. Even if you're one, you listening to me, you can comprehend what I'm saying. But besides that, that's what I'm doing. I'm writing a book of a Q and A about myself. And what I I think I left out phone this when it cut off. I'm using a Q and A. I didn't I didn't I didn't come up with the questions. I didn't make up the questions. So I don't want to. I want to give uh, credit to what credits do. Uh, this young man that only uses his first name, Alex, he the one done the book and he done the question and uh, the Q&A, the question and answer book. And I think they're pretty good because they're very tough questions. And when you do these questions, whether you have MDD, uh, autism, ADHD, you know, OCD or whatever, those D's. These, I believe... That it will help you because it will keep you honest. You have to be honest. So, and I think that's a hard time. Uh, I think it's easier when you evaluate yourself. I think you're more intoned of not cheating or not lying. Or not afraid to say what you're going through because you're by yourself and you just write it on uh write it down on the paper or notebook or something like that now this do any challenge i don't care if you struggle with pornography or you struggle with any type of addiction this this test can work for any type of addiction to me any type of addiction when you just open with yourself by yourself because you a lot of times you don't lie to yourself when you ask you you study those questions you kind of think about it you write it down boom 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 now me 
and I'm not saying this in a bragging way. I don't care if you ask me or not. If you ask me those questions, I'm going to tell you. You know, far as that. But I'm saying a lot of people will uh, reject a test like that from another human being because it, you expose yourself. And many, most MDDs with uh, MDDs don't want nobody to know what they go through or what they're doing. And that's abnormal but normal for a person with maladaptive daydreaming because I was the same way. I was closed in. I didn't want my family and nobody know what I was doing, even though a lot of them and friends see me, seen me in action before. You know, I didn't want to just come out and just tell them what was really on my mind and what I was really thinking until these last few years and even till now when I started doing my podcast and stuff like that. When I became a Christian, that's when I was opening up more. I've never been so much in detail uh, like I have since this year. And last year of detail because I put it on podcasts and my some of my podcasts and I'm not going to put it in the book. See, I'm just getting- for Mervis Diamond Importers. I'm Ronnie Mervis. I was raised near the diamond mines in South Africa, and like every Mervis, diamonds are in my DNA. The history of diamonds in Africa and of the Mervis family run together. As kids, my brothers Kenny, Zed, and I rode our bikes on the mine dumps. At night, we'd listen to my father talk about the diamond mines. Today, Mervis still operates in Africa. This gives Mervis Diamonds the advantage. We import the finest diamonds, cutting out the middleman, so you save. Mervis Diamonds are amongst the best in the world, and now they're available for less than you think. Mervis Diamond Importers. It's like going to the mines yourself without getting dirty. Mervis Diamond Importers. Mervis means more diamonds, much better quality, and the most value. Mervis is the ringleader for the latest engagement rings and wedding bands. Easy financing is available. For an appointment, go to MervisDiamond.com or call 800-HER-LOVE. That's MervisDiamond.com or 800-HER-LOVE. Selling your car to Carvana is as easy as... As easy as pie? Sure. All you have to do is enter your license plate or VIN. As easy as a stroll in the park. Okay. Then just answer a few questions and you'll get a real offer in seconds. As easy as singing... Why not? Schedule a pickup or drop-off, and Carvana will pay you that amount right on the spot. As easy as playing guitar. Actually, I find that kind of difficult. But selling your car to Carvana is as easy as... Can be. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to get an instant offer today. Not out there, but I'm just talking about I understand. the uh, One of the signs of an MDD person is they just... They closed in. They don't want nobody to know they struggle, who they, you know, whatever like that. Even when you're on a group, you have a lot of group members that just call themselves anonymous. They don't want you to know their name. And that's good. That's okay. Because a lot of people, even with MDD, you know, will say something bad or they just, you know, they, they it sounds strange because different MDDers do different things. Some of them will, and some some of it is perverted. I've been. I used to do some perverted things. So you know, a lot of MDDs don't want their stuff out there. You know what I'm saying? And uh, you have many unbelievers that dabble in a lot of other stuff. They don't want their stuff out there, or they don't, they don't want nobody to know who they are. So a lot of these groups they call themselves anonymous, meaning they don't want they don't they want themselves anonymous. They don't want you to know who they are and stuff like that. And they, it's, it's sad. I, I can tell a lot of my young uh, that struggles with it. And 
I can kind of discern a little bit that some of them might not have MDD. They think they do. They get it kind of confused with just daydreaming a lot. But MDD is way beyond just daydreaming. I had extreme MDD. Or you say maladaptive daydreaming on steroids. That was me. A lot of them don't. And then you got some that's even the same as me. You know. And then you have one people that's beyond MDD. They might be in a, a, the uh, disassociation category where they just black out and they just gone. They in another world. And you can't snap them out. You know, like the world of Walter Mitley by Ben Stanley. I think that's what they call the movie. That's called disassociation. I mean, you're out of your body, out of mind, out of body. You just gone and nobody can can't get you back going until you come back. That's not MDD. We are in control. We plan our dreams. Okay. And I think that's very interesting and uh, stuff like that. And a lot of people never heard that because it sounds weird to somebody that, that that don't struggle with that, or let alone autism and ADHD, attention, you know, attention problems uh, or disorders they call it. But my biggest monster was MDD, maladaptive daydreaming. Okay, all right. I told you I'm going to talk about that a little bit. I'm not going to stay on it a long time. I want to jump into some other things and everything. But before I even get into that, what I was talking about is Peter and Paul. Remember? Uh, Peter and Paul, many churches, believers, denominations, believe that Peter and Paul taught the same gospel. Many believe they taught the same gospel. Now it's ways, and I talked about a lot of that earlier, but it's still other ways, excuse me, uh, a matter of fact, yeah, before I get into that, I also got to get some information down because a young lady on Facebook asked me, you know, I talked to her and everything. She asked me, could I help her? And I told her, you know, I help her the best way I can and give her her advice. And I have to send her some information. I have to remind myself how I'm going to do this. But it's the Q&A, the same one that I took. I want to send her uh, that information. Now, the Q&A that I took. I didn't answer every question because a lot of those questions didn't even apply to me, really. I just answered the ones because those questions are basically for the ones that's still going through it. See, I went through it. The, the questions, the Q&A is basically for the ones that's still going through it. That's what it was based on. So I, I answered the questions from a past tense. See, most of them was answered by me from a past tense, not the present, because I'm, I don't daydream like that no more. You know, mostly my uh, answers are from a past tense experience, not present. So the Q&A is just right for the ones that are struggling now, you know, not for the ones that uh, already went through it. But it still helps you to be open with yourself when you just uh, test yourself or study, let somebody else ask you those questions because it's a chance you're not going to be honest because you don't want your doctor or psychologist to know, but you're more honest with yourself if you're just testing yourself, you know. That's what I believe. All right. But going back, the first topic I talked about was uh, Peter and Paul. And it's very important for a believer today, man, it's so important to understand the differences between the kingdom program and the grace program. That's the issue today in the church and the body of Christ. 
not rightly dividing the difference between the kingdom program and the grace program. It's not so much as bad of just knowing the difference between Jews and Gentiles. A lot of churches, or most churches already know there's a difference now between Jews and Gentiles. They know that. They know about Israel and the Old Testament and stuff like that and everything. But what they get messed up on and what they lack understanding is is uh, Paul's letters. They get lost in Paul's letters. And that caused a lot of confusion when you squeeze Paul's letters and Peter's letters and, you know, the four Gospels and all that together. And that's what goes on in the church today. Because we was taught that way. We, we The church, every church that I've been through, through, never, I never even heard the word dispensation. And plus you have so many Bible translations anyway. And, uh, or how to rightly divide the way I have learned now. I never never was taught that. It's just like the Bible was just in one big lump, one big blender, like Les Felder used to call it, and just do it you at one time. And every, everybody in the Bible got saved the same way, and everybody, baptism in waters for everybody, and diff, doing diff, different things like that. So they mixed the body of Christ and the, uh, the, the uh, Grace Church and the Kingdom Church together. And that spit out a lot of denominations and confusion. No doubt. That's why you have thousands of denominations of different things that get out of the Bible because the confusion that Satan, the enemy, caused because he wanted everybody to be hidden from the mystery program, which is the true way to get saved today. Paul's teaching. I believe that. Paul's teaching because he got food. He got food. Hold on. Let me take me a little drink. Mouth getting dry. Uh, That's so good. That's so good. All right. And uh, that's why it's a lot of confusion in the body of Christ. And uh, when a church, the body of Christ is confused, you're going to proselyte confused people. <laughs> what do you mean by proselyte? You're going to convert. That's what I like proselyte mean. You're going to convert and a lot of confused people. You're gonna you're gonna teach them the same. You're gonna confuse them the way you confuse. You're gonna indoctrinate them with the doctrine, and they're gonna be confused. And the sad thing about it, once you get that seal in them of a certain teaching, it's hard to get it out. That's why you have some people uh, in churches that's been saved 20, 30, 40 years, and I'm not saying they're not saved, and some are not. But I'm just talking about the ones that saved. But they have the wrong doctrine. They love Jesus. They believe he died for their sins and everything. But their doctrine is so toe up from the floor. They have the wrong doctrine. Basically, a lot of kingdom doctrine and a lot of added on man-made traditions and the churches. They've been like that hundreds and hundreds of years, like that hundreds and hundreds of years. And uh, it's hard. It's tough. To get them out of that traditional, traditional type of denominational thinking, and it's hard to t 
talk to a person that's caught in their traditions and so religious. And I've been around the majority of my Christian life around so, life around so many religious type of people that still like that. Now they're, they're, I call them spiritual people. Spiritual, you know, that's the word we used to use, religious people and everything. No matter what, even the ones that listen to my podcast. And they listen to it, but they still hold on to the kingdom type of principles and ways and signs and wonders and different things like that. Now, this is the tripped out part. You have some churches believe in tithing, but they don't believe in signs and wonders and miracles. They don't think it's for the day. Do you have some churches that believe in signs and wonders and miracles, but they might not believe in tithing? Then you got some churches that were baptized. You see how they pick and choose certain things out of the Bible and get it into their denomination. Okay? They get into denominations. All right? But I'm going I'm to keep that too. I'm going to keep that for my podcast because I, I just got off that uh, spiritual obesity. But I'm not going to stop talking about that because it's very important. Uh, why? Because we have a lost world out there. We have a lost world out there that need to hear the word of God. You might say, Joe, we already know that. Yeah, 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 yeah. But what I mean about the word of God, I mean the word of God, rightly divided. They need to be taught the word of God the correct way. You don't have to be perfect or nothing like that, but man, the importance of understanding the gospel of salvation, forgiveness, is so important because so many churches are so messed up and so limited when it comes to forgiveness. And then so many churches got such a watered down way of being salvation. That's called the... Uh, the sinner's prayer type of messages of salvation is watered down. It's not even from the Bible. It's man-made ways of being saved. Then you get the hardcore, uh, strong kingdom Calvinism type of minister that you, the lordship salvation, that you got to repent of your sin, you got to be holy, you got to confess your sins, you got to live this type of life and stuff like that. So you see those different gospels out there that's confusing people? It depends what church the, un, the unsaved go to. That's why they don't like going to these churches, man. They just hear so many different things. It's just so much clutter that's going on. You know what? I either what do I got to do something or I don't got to do something. You saying by grace and then you say you yeah you believe you saved by grace and faith alone, but you telling me I still need to repent. How is it faith alone if I still supposed to somewhat repent? which mean turn away, but they use repent as repenting of sins because we were traditionally taught that's what that means. And even the ones that know changing your mind and turning away still try to put a condition or a weight on you. You see? They tell you, yeah, you faith alone, man. You just got to believe faith alone. Then you got the ones that's so... uh they water down the gospel so much you would think you can sin and live any type of way you want. They don't talk about hell. They don't talk about sin or nothing. 
just, I call them the flower church, you know. Just love Jesus. Oh, it's all about love. Love. Oh, you don't have enough love. We don't preach hell here. We don't talk about hell here. We just talk about heaven and love. Love, love, love this, love this. Oh, you can't, don't get mad at your neighbor. Just love them. Oh, I know they have their own drugs and everything. All we got to do is love them. You, you see, that's that watered down flower weak love that God cannot stand. He hates that just as much as the other one. <laughs> You know, that's just, wow. You know, the cold churches, the cold church, that means they don't, you don't get convicted of nothing there. You can come in any type of way. You can be, you can live any type of life. You could be gay, straight, you know, whatever like that. You can be a, maybe a killer, whatever like that. It's just called a church, you know, and everything like that. You got the club churches that look like a club. Now, these black and white churches, you know, Looking like a club, they dress like they're in the club. They, the women wear clothes like they're in the club. The men dress like they pimps and stuff like that. Now these in black and white churches, you know, they just look so worldly, and they don't preach hell. They don't preach sin. They don't preach none of that. You know, then you got the one that's all they do is preach hell and sin. Every you know, all these churches are wrong. We the right church. Hell, sin, damnation, everything. Everybody's sinners and sinners and sinners. You see, because they're confused about forgiveness. They, 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 in some churches, they keep your sin conscious. And some churches will have you think that sin is not a problem at all. You, you understand what I'm saying? Sin is going to always be a problem, folks. Sin when you sin, sin is going to always be a problem. God is going to always hate sin. He's going to always hate sin. See? Now, he's not imputing sin against you. He's not charging you with sin. See? His son took care of that. And the only way sin can manifest himself in you, if only if there was a law and there is no law. Wherever there is no law, remember I keep calling these scriptures, there is no transgression. Wherever there's no law, there's no transgression. Okay, let me uh, go to a few scriptures and I'm going to go. You know about 2 Corinthians 5 and 19 because I, I quote that quite a bit. But uh, we're going to go to Romans 4 and 13. Let's go to, uh, is that 13 or 15? Okay. Now, remember this. Because the law works the wrath. For where no law is, there is no transgression. Now, let's read this again. I read this before. Romans 4 uh, and 15. If you got your Bible, open up your Bible to Romans 4 and 15. Now, I don't know what translation you got, you know, but I have the King James. This is the King James. Just open up your Bible. Because the law worketh the wrath. Now, what does that mean? The law shows you your sin. The law brings condemnation. See, that's what the law it did. It, it brought condemnation. But you guys are getting a lot of Bible teaching here on uh, Body of Christ Real Talk. <laughs> the law brings wrath. The King James says, because the law worketh the wrath. Now, for where no law is, there is no transgression. See, what that mean? 
Wherever there is no law, there is no sin charged against you. That's all they're saying. Your translation might say that. It just might say that. What's another translation? Uh, Hold on one second. You know, because some people just won't take the King James word for it. And it's in your translation as well. As well. So I'm not going to let you get away with that, okay? So let's go uh, to one of my sacred favorite books, The Living Bible. Okay, let's go here. Uh, okay. Oh, just missed it. We're going to go to Romans. I mean, yep, Romans 4 and... Uh, 15 and read it out of the out of the, out of the out of the living Bible. Let me just tap it in right quick. All right, Romans. I hope I'm not wasting guys' time here, so I hope I'm helping somebody. Romans 5 and uh, 15. Let's tap that in. I'm a slow typer. Now, uh, I'm sorry, Romans 4. I went the wrong way. Romans 4 and 15. Going to says I'm gonna get to five next. Then I'm gonna go to 2 Corinthians uh, five and nineteen. All right. Now the Living Bible reads it this way. Now remember, King James is because the law works of the wrath, where there is no law, where there is no law is there is no transgression. Living Bible said closely the same way I said. For the law always brings punishment on those who try to obey it. The only way to avoid breaking the law is to have to have no law to break. Now, that's a roundabout way that the Living Bible said, but it makes sense. The only way you cannot break no law is not to have a law to break. That's even in modern times today. If there's no law to break, then you cannot get charged for nothing. See, if there was no law to break, you cannot get charged for nothing. Okay, now let's go to five. Romans 5. Excuse me. All right. I think let me go to 5 and 12. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and a one man was Adam. Okay? And death and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men for all, for that all have sinned. All have uh, been born in sin since the fall of man, the fall of Adam. 13. For until the law, listen closely, for until the law, sin was in the world. Okay? But sin is not. Here we go. Imputed when there is no law. There it is again. Now this is Romans 5 and 13. For until the law, sin was in the world. For until the law. Why does it says until the law? Because the law is the one that show us or show the Jews or even, yes, show the Jews what sin was. See, for until the law, sin was in the world. In other words, sin always been always been in the world since the fall of man, since the fall of Adam, sin entered the world. See, but until the law, there was no sin charged against them. See, the law it's the schoolmaster. The law was here just to show you what your sin was. See? But sin is not imputed when there is no law. Then 14 said, Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses. Now, what is he saying? Now, from Adam? 
until it got to Moses, there was no sin charged against nobody. Because what? There was no law. Nevertheless, death, uh, uh, Romans 5 and 14, nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned. You see? Even to them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression. What did he say? Had not sinned. Now, let me put this in a, 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 a more paraphrased vernacular. Because the King James can't get your tag turned and, and, and it would sound like it's saying something else. But this is the old English literature. What the word of God, King James is saying, even over, nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses. In other words, sin brings death. And death started after the fall of man. See? Okay? Because of sin, but sin wasn't been charged for them because there was no sin to be called for. God could not charge no one for sin because there was no law to tell them or they didn't even know what sin was. Okay? All the way, Adam, all the way up to Moses, which is Exodus 24, when uh, the law came to fruition around 19, Exodus 19 and 24. When for Mervis Diamond Importers, I'm Ronnie Mervis. I was raised near the diamond mines in South Africa, and like every Mervis, diamonds are in my DNA. The history of diamonds in Africa and of the Mervis family run together. As kids, my brothers Kenny, Zed, and I rode our bikes on the mine dumps. At night, we'd listen to my father talk about the diamond mines. Today, Mervis still operates in Africa. This gives Mervis Diamonds the advantage. We import the finest diamonds, cutting out the middleman, so you save. Mervis Diamonds are amongst the best in the world. And now they're available for less than you think. Mervis Diamond Importers. It's like going to the mines yourself without getting dirty. Mervis Diamond Importers. Mervis means more diamonds, much better quality, and the most value. Mervis is the ringleader for the latest engagement rings and wedding bands. Easy financing is available. For an appointment, go to MervisDiamond.com or call 800-HER-LOVE. That's MervisDiamond.com or 800-HER-LOVE. Selling your car to Carvana is as easy as... As easy as pie? Sure. All you have to do is enter your license plate or VIN. As easy as a stroll in the park. Okay. Then just answer a few questions and you'll get a real offer in seconds. As easy as singing. Why not? Schedule a pickup or drop-off and Carvana will pay you that amount right on the spot. As easy as playing guitar. Actually, I find that kind of difficult. But selling your car to Carvana is as easy as... Can be. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to get an instant offer today. Oh, uh, uh, Moses came out with the law. That's when sin was being charged because sin was named. It had a name on it now. But before then, there was no name. Now, let me keep going. Even over them that had sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression. Now, what this means was everybody that sinned after Adam. See? But the Bible said had not sinned. Why did this Bible say that? Because there was no sin charged against them. There was no sin charged against them. It was almost like they were sinless. He said, no, no, wait a minute, Joe. Okay. Now, listen to what I'm saying. Listen to what I'm saying very closely. Because this helps in the forgiveness of sin too. See, King James said there was no sin. In other words, there was no sin charged against them. It wasn't saying they were sinless. But only God knew what sin was then. Man did not. Most of them didn't even, never even heard of sin. They never heard of sin. Sin was exposed in Exodus uh, 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 24 when the law came. 
That's when they knew what sin they were sinning. Paul talks about that in Romans 7. In Romans 7, Apostle Paul talked about that, which I'm going to probably get into that too. But what I'm saying is, when it says, even over them that had not sinned. Now, you might say, all those people did sin. That's why he destroyed the earth the first time in Noah. Yes, but what this trend, what uh, uh, paraphrasing is they was not they could not be charged with sin because there was no law or no type of law to tell them that they were sinning okay so why did they get destroyed in the flood why did God God come down on him because of their wickedness and evilness remember remember when Adam and Eve ate of the fruit and what happened they ate from the tree of good and evil the tree of knowledge, in other words. So from the fall on, when Adam ate from that tree, Adam ate from the tree. He had what? He knew good from evil. He had knowledge. Knowledge brings uh, uh, knowledge brings the knowing of good of evil, in other words. So ever since then, after Adam's, all creation knew and within their hearts the difference between what's good and what's evil. You see what I'm saying? They didn't have no name to it, but they knew the difference between doing bad and doing good. You see what I'm saying? They always knew that ever since Adam. Before that, Adam and them didn't know. They just know the righteousness of God. They was covered. But they broke fellowship with God and was unreconciled with a level, if you can make a word, they said when Adam disobeyed God and ate that fruit, the fall of man, that's when sin came to the world and brung death. That's why I say people was dying and sinning, but they was not charged for sin because they, they, they was not considered sinners because there was no law to tell them what they were sinning about. So they could not be considered sinners because sin didn't have a name to it then. Only God knew what sin was. You see what I'm saying? But they got destroyed because of disobedience and they choose evil over good. They knew the difference. They was able to make human government and everything. They knew the difference between good and evil. How you know that, Joe? Because it was only a few of them down there that done good. You had Noah and had a quite a few people, only eight on a on a boat. And then you had Noah, I mean Abram and all them righteous men or whatever like that. So you had just a few though that done good and wanted to obey God. The rest of the world, the millions of the other people didn't. They was wicked. They chose evil, but they knew good, but they just chose evil. You see what I'm saying? That's what this verse is saying. Now, all this was only revealed to the Apostle Paul. It was never revealed to Peter and none of them. Only one, only way you get this type of knowing is from the Apostle Paul. It's no revealed nowhere else. What happened about Adam? You don't have no books talking about what happened to Adam. You just said Adam sinned, and we we uh, because of his sin, we all going to die, and we all have sin. That's all you talk about. Paul breaks it down in the book of Romans four or five and all that stuff. Good stuff, man. That's why it's important to follow Paul's teaching. He explains what happened on the finished cross from the fall of man. He's the only one. No other book in the Bible does that. No other writer in the Bible does that. It was only revealed to Paul for the first time, to uh, only reveal the first time to the Apostle Paul. He's breaking down what happened from Adam, Abraham, that was only explained. See, the cross is explained in detail in the books of Paul's books. The cross is explained, the finished work. 
is explained in Paul's books. The fall of man, Adam, is explained what happened through Paul's books. You, you see, Abraham's fate from Abram is only explained in Paul's book. You only get somewhat of an outside detail in Genesis 12 where Paul explains what happened, why April's fate. If it wasn't for Paul explaining it, many people wouldn't even understand what really went down. How come Abraham's fate was this? It's only explained through the books of the Apostle Paul. That's why it's very vital for the believers to read the books of Paul, which is for us. There was a... It's, Paul's books, listen closely, is the only books that explain the finished work of Christ. No other book does that. The four Gospels, of course the four Gospels don't do it because he was still alive. Peter don't explain it. James. Hebrews break down the second coming of Christ. Hebrews break down the millennial reign, the coming millennial reign of Christ, but the in-between what happened on the finish of cross, the finished work of Christ, is only explained through the books of Paul. It's only explained through the books of Paul, Romans through Philemon. You go through the book of Romans, man. Wow, it talks about justification, righteousness, glorifications. It talks about the new mortal bodies, the catching away of the church as well as first and second. You didn't hear that type of talk. You don't hear that nowhere else. But in Paul's letters, the term rapture and the rapture of the church. Who you think they came from? They came from the teachers of Paul. Not from Peter now. They talked about the second coming. But Paul talks about the catching away of the church because that's the new, that's the program that we in now. See? You see? Wow. Okay. I'm going to read seven. Man, I'm, let, me, let me read seven right quick. And I'm reading this for a reason. Romans 7, know ye not, brethren, for I speak to them that know the law, how that the law hath dominion over a man as long as he liveth. For the woman which hath an husband is bound by the law to her husband so long as he liveth. Now, many believers, many believers will look at this and think uh, Paul is talking about the way the church marriage is supposed to go today. See, they will break this down and uh, and say that see this is this is this is what we're supposed to buy in marriage today for the church. No, it's not. This is not for the body of Christ. This is an ex this is Paul is giving an example of the law under Moses, the marriage under the, the marriage law, the law how the marriage was under the law. See, let me just give you. Let me just prove it. Read it now. Open up your Bible as well. Know ye not, brethren? For I speak to them that know the law. First of all, he speaks to them. Who is them? Israel. The only one who knew the law was the Jews. Know ye not brethren. Brethren is who? The body of Christ, the church. Remember, Paul is mainly talking to the church, the body of Christ. For I speak to them. Them is Israel that know the law. I'm speaking to the ones. I'm speaking to them that was under the law. So Paul was a few Jews there too. I'm speaking to the ones that was under the law or know the law. How that the law had dominion over a man as long as he liveth. Two, Romans 72, for the woman. Now, this is under the law. This was a marriage vow under the law, not for the body of Christ, not for the church. For the woman which hath an husband is bound by the law. For her husband, so long 
for as long as her husband liveth. But if the husband be dead, she is loosed from the law. And I'm going to read this. I'm going to tell you why Paul, what, this is like an allegory, a metaphor, but a real story. But if the husband be dead, she is loosed from the law of her husband. Verse 3. So then, if while her husband liveth, she be married to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. But if her husband be dead, she is free from that law so that she is no adulteress, though she be married to another man. Uh, church, this is not the this is not the uh, uh, the, the uh, marriage for the church today. See, Paul talks about that, too. You know, when you get to Ephesians and stuff like that, you know, that's the cycle that the church, the body of Christ church is supposed to be. When you go to the book of Ephesians about the last chapter, Ephesians six, Ephesians six. But this is the law. This is marriage under the law, much stricter. You was following this, and if you was under the law, a lot of y'all and myself would be stoned. It would be so much adultery and fornication, we'd be stoned if we was under the law. So this is not for the church today. This is for the kingdom. This is under the law, okay? Paul is giving us an example. So then if while her husband lived, she be married to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. That means if this was for today, a lot of you men and women, you, especially the women, you cannot be married if your ex-husband is still alive. And how many have broke that law? How many believers have broke that law? Now, I'm talking to believers, not the unbelievers. I'm talking about believers. How many have broke that law, including myself? I have been married twice. That means I broke the law. That I sinned against God, I broke his law. So all the ones that have been married more than one time, you have broke this law if this was for you. See, you, you understand what I'm saying? So understand this is under the law. This is not for the church today. We have more of a liberty and freedom. We, it's okay for us to be married again. God, rather you stay. For Mervis Diamond Importers, I'm Ronnie Mervis. I was raised near the diamond mines in South Africa. And like every Mervis, diamonds are in my DNA. The history of diamonds in Africa and of the Mervis family run together. As kids, my brothers Kenny, Zed, and I rode our bikes on the mine dumps. At night, we'd listen to my father talk about the diamond mines. Today, Mervis still operates in Africa. This gives Mervis Diamonds the advantage. We import the finest diamonds, cutting out the middleman, so you save. Mervis Diamonds are amongst the best in the world. And now they're available for less than you think. Mervis Diamond Importers. It's like going to the mines yourself without getting dirty. Mervis Diamond Importers. Mervis means more diamonds, much better quality, and the most value. Mervis is the ringleader for the latest engagement rings and wedding bands. Easy financing is available. For an appointment, go to MervisDiamond.com or call 800-HER-LOVE. That's MervisDiamond.com or 800-HER-LOVE. With the same person, but he's it's not the same as the law. Okay. Now let me tell you why. Break this down. For the woman which has a husband is bound by the law to her husband so long as he liveth. But if the husband be dead, she is loose from the law of her husband. So then if while her husband liveth, she be married to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. But if her husband be dead, she is free from the law so that she is no adulteress though she be married to another man check this out verse 4 7 and 4 Romans wherefore my brother ye also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ that you should be married to another even to him who was raised from the dead that we should bring forth fruit unto God okay Wherefore, my brother, ye also are become dead to the law. Now, according to the law, the only way a woman 
can remarry is for her husband to die or you know just die. That's the only way she can be free. You see, that was the law of Moses. Metaphorically speaking, Paul is saying that's how the church is. We are free now because the law is dead. <laughs> you see that? We are dead to the law. The law is dead. So we are free. So we are free to be married, not in the old kingdom way, but we are free to be married or to be in Christ now. Now, this has nothing to do with the bride of Christ and nothing like that for Israel, but he's just using this as a metaphor. So don't get confused about that. See, wherefore, my brother, ye also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ, that you should be married to another, even to him. In other words, he's using this metaphorically. You see, because the law is dead, now you are free to be married to Christ. This is not the bride of Christ, Israel. You're free to be married for Christ, married to Christ. You see what I'm saying? So you must understand Romans 7. Let's go uh, a little further because I want to get into the sin part. I don't know why I started there, but that, that that's good to know too. All right. But sin, verse 8, but sin taken occasion by the commandment wrought in me all manner Let's go to here. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid, or in other words, of course not. No, I had not known sin but by the law, for I had not known lust, except the law has said, Thou shalt not covet. Now, what Paul is saying, what is, what is he saying? I had not known sin. Paul said, I didn't know nothing about sin. I didn't even know I was sinning until the law showed me what sin was that I was doing wrong. That's what Paul is saying. For I had not known that I was lusting, Paul said, except the law has said, thou shalt not covet. Now, lusting don't mean only sexually. You can lust for things and idols, whatever like that. So in this context, he's not talking about sex because it's explained that the law has said thou shalt not covet. You can covet other things besides sex. So I don't think Paul just talking about, he's talking about sex. You can lust things without it being sex. But in other words, his point is he didn't know that he was coveting or lusting until the law said you are lusting. So just like in time past, they didn't know they were sinning or called sin, but they know they was doing wrong. They just didn't have no name to it. So God wasn't charging them for that. Continuing verse eight, but sin taken occasion by the commandment wrought in me all manner of concupiscence, evilness for without the law, sin was dead. You see that? Without the law, Sin was dead. In other words, when there, when there wasn't no law, there was no sin charged against me. Sin was dead. See, without the law, sin was dead. See, verse 7, early 7, through that uh, metaphor of the marriage, the death of the law made us free now to become in the body of Christ because the law is dead. But when the law is around, sin is around sin because sin shows you, I mean, because sin shows you the wrong that you are doing. It gives a name to the wrong that you are doing. Stealing, lying. That's why the Ten Commandments. 
had a name to it now. Thou shalt not lie. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not cover another man's uh, wife or whatever like that. See, they didn't know, but they didn't know nothing about that before the law told them this is what you are doing wrong. You understand what I'm saying? That that's what the law was only here for to show you. It was the school teacher, according to the book of Galatians, to show you what sin is. Point blank. Okay. For I was a liar without the law once. But when the commandment came, sin revised and I died. See, Paul was just saying, I was alive, man. I was free because I didn't, I, you know, I, he knew he was doing wrong, but he didn't think nothing about it. He felt free because it had no name on the wrong that he was doing. But when the law came, sin revived and I died. That mean, I, man, I died because sin brings death. That mean now, since the sin is here, all that wrongness I was doing, even as I was doing, I'm liable for it and I can die for it. It brings death. Now I know it brings death. You see what I'm saying? Now, that's why I wanted to get there. And I'm going to leave with this. Now, those scriptures that just showed, you have to read the book of Romans and it will explain to you. It will break down that see, just the little scriptures I've read to you, that should get you to see, oh wow. See, without no law, sins cannot be charged against you, correct? That's why when you go to 2 Corinthians, uh-huh, uh-huh, 2 Corinthians uh, 5 and 19. And these are for the limited forgivers. 2 Corinthians, I'm all in Galatians. I don't know how I got Galatians. All right, now let's go. 5 and 19. And it reads, to wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed to us the world of reconciliation. This right here, God is not charging the world for sins. And what we just got to read, why? Because Jesus, at the atonement, took care of the law. He, he took care of the final, all the sins of the world. After grace, under pause, not the kingdom program. This is the other side of the cross. Okay, remember, it's only under grace. There's been over. There's been over a couple of thousand years now. Ever since then, nobody's sin has been charged against them. Before the two thousand years, yes, it was. But under Paul's ministry, no sins was charged against nobody. It's a whole spank breaking new program. Over two thousand years ago, the world's sins was not getting charged against them, against them. That's the finished work of Christ that nobody in the world knew about until it was explained by Jesus Christ to Paul. See? So today, there's no reason for you to say you need to be forgiven of your sins. It's already been taken care of. That's what it is finished mean. But it was not explained. <laughs> See? To nobody, Peter or none of them, it was not explained. Okay? All right. This is Joseph Brownlee. That's a little short Bible study for today. Those are two topics I want to talk about. This is what Paul teaches. Peter did not teach this. This is a teaching of Paul. This is the messages of Paul. Paul's gospel is different. Paul's way that a man and woman should be married and cycles are different from the kingdom and the law. See? The way we should be living, the way we should be doing certain things is different than the kingdom without the law. Period. Period. So the body of Christ here is supposed to be in the books of Paul so we can know 
our duties and our program. That way, the whole Bible will come to life to us when we do that. When we get in our program, the rest of the Bible will become more real to you. Believe me, believe me, saints, it will. When you understand where you belong and stop trying to get in Israel's program, the whole Bible becomes more clear and you become more freer. Why do you become more freer? Because you, you, you now know that all that stuff you thought you had to do, you don't have to do that. And that brings freedom because that's what makes this a better promise. God said this is a better promise to make the Jews jealous. They would have loved to have this program. Now, they can get this program, but it's only individual Jews. Now, it's not Jews. It's not the favorite now. They have to get saved. They can only get saved the same way individually. Under the under their program, the kingdom program, They only their salvation is future as a nation. But under the body of Christ, they are no, they are no different than the Gentiles. Remember Paul said there's no man, there's no female male, there's Cynthia Barbarian, everybody is one in Christ. Under the grace program, not under the kingdom. Everybody wanted worse. It was a wall of partition. There was a separation between the Jews and the Gentiles under the kingdom program, but not under grace. There's no favorites. Everybody is one under the body of Christ. God bless you all. This is Joseph Brownlee, Body of Christ, Real Talk. And I'm going to leave you with this. Jesus loves you. He's proved that by his atonement. Wherever there's no sin, and wherever there's no law, excuse me, there is no transgression. God is a just God. He's not going to pour nothing on nobody when there's no law. That's why under the tribulation period, those things are coming back, going into the new covenant. And he will charge everybody in it. That's why he will pour out his wrath then. Because the laws and rules will be back. That's why he's not pointing down under this dispensation until the seven year tribulation. You got to put that together. Why God is doing that now. See, because the church is gone. Grace is gone. Now his wrath is coming down. And he's going to do even more what he used to do back then. Wiping nations out. Hopefully, and I pray that you don't be there. God bless you. Love y'all. Peace out. Body of Christ Real Talk with more real talk for you all. Peace out. Bye-bye. For Mervis Diamond Importers, I'm Ronnie Mervis. I was raised near the diamond mines in South Africa. And like every Mervis, diamonds are in my DNA. The history of diamonds in Africa and of the Mervis family run together. As kids, my brothers Kenny, Zed, and I rode our bikes on the mine dumps. At night, we'd listen to my father talk about the diamond mines. Today, Mervis still operates in Africa. This gives Mervis Diamonds the advantage. We import the finest diamonds, cutting out the middleman, so you save. Mervis Diamonds are amongst the best in the world, and now they're available for less than you think. Mervis Diamond Importers. It's like going to the mines yourself without getting dirty. Mervis Diamond Importers. Mervis means more diamonds, much better quality, and the most value. Mervis is the ringleader for the latest engagement rings and wedding bands. Easy financing is available. For an appointment, go to MervisDiamond.com or call 800-HER-LOVE. That's MervisDiamond.com or 800-HER-LOVE.